because you, it's all about the performing and, and working. So, you know, I sometimes because you're so vulnerable on stage, I feel comedians are assholes. It's the people who quit comedy are still assholes, and then they become assholes. So there's like no <laughs> excuse. Like if you're a former comedian and you're still being an asshole and taking stuff and <laughs> bad mouthing people, just like maybe it's you, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is his uh, house. This is where he lives at the Starlight Motel. She will way too quickly ask him to move in with her and become Ooh. in a relationship. Uh, wow, they're kissing. Yeah, they. Yeah, he's. This whole movie, he moves fast. He goes through everything so fast. So it, this is like January first. This is like a, a a year of this guy's life. Well, it's he just arrived. He just arrived in town. He learned about the funny farm. He went there, and now he's kissing girls. Yeah. Now he's at the new talent audition. Oh, look at this! The open mic. Oh, and look at all the crazy costume people. There's always okay, crazy. Okay, so what happens here is you and I know um, that. Somebody doesn't really have an audition number, which go up and see who's, you know, like, we're looking for new talent. No, rather, on a weird night like a Wednesday when the bar's not going to make money, they hold an open mic. And it's really just a ploy. It's, I'll use the word, though. It's a ploy to get people into the bar so they can make some money on a, on a weird night. Sure. Okay. And listen, that's when uh, you might get, I mean, I did that at Scotty's, and I got a job there as like a maitre d' kind of thing, and that meant that I could host every now and again. So in a sense, it hugs reality, but it really wasn't an audition, you know? It was just, well, you so know, like, I, that's I what do they're this. doing here. They, people are lining up like, I'm going to be the next star. It's not, it's not really the world of but i do know like you know if they're doing three different shows or like if it's los angeles if it's los angeles they might have a 6 30 show an eight o'clock show and a midnight show and a 10 p.m show and all right one let of me those... talk about that then right yeah. what really happens in the comedy world and i think you'll back me up on this is that you have at a comedy club a host a feature who does like 30 minutes and then the headliner does like an hour 45 minutes to an hour that's really the formula uh, whatever club you go to, this this club on their Saturday nights, like they have twenty comedians and they all get up there and they don't do a set amount of time. They just go until Gail says that's it. Give them the light. Ridiculous. Oh, are these examples of the open micers? The these two, the the housewife and then the kid. Yeah, and they're Is not it... open micers. They're going. They're they think they're at an audition. They're on an. They're going to audition now. But I know that, you know, some, some clubs here in Los Angeles, they do have technically an audition night. I mean, it's a showcase, uh -huh. but basically, you know, you meet the people and they say, okay, come perform on on Tuesday at the Is 6.30. Is it a bringer? No, but, you know, they have other shows that night, even for Tuesday, so. So uh, maybe it is, there, maybe there is some reality to yeah. audition I feel, night. Hey, it's the old grooming. Man's. The man's or grooming's kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know, even though I live. Okay, here we have Steve Allen. Oh, and Bel Air. Does he know he's in the movie? Uh, Probably. 
Now, one of the first things Ron Clark ever did as director, listen, he's only directed two things. He's not a director. He's a writer. Okay. And his, like one of his very first gigs ever in 1967 was the Steve Comedy uh Steve Allen Comedy Hour. So he wrote eight episodes of that. Oh, so he got his buddy in there. Yeah, so I guess that's how he knows. Listen, let me talk about this director as a writer for a minute. Sure. He wrote the screenplay. Look, maybe he was one of them, too. I don't know. But The Revenge of the Pink Panther, um, High Anxiety in 1977, Silent Movie in 76. Good, three good movies. Revenge is okay. I think that's the one with the parrot. Yes, that's one with a that's a true Pink Panther movie, not a bullshit. Let's make some money movie, <laughs> like the Curse of the Pink Panther. <laughs> oh, I, I I think Clouseau is in an outtake coming up next. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now okay. here he was also a writer for Pat Paulson for president. Um, two Smother Brothers comedy shows in the sixties. Danny Kaye TV show was his second one. He started Jackie Gleason. Um, so this guy has been a serious writer. Uh, Paul Lynn Show, Rich Little Show, uh, Jackie Mason, The World According to Me. Uh, oh, wow. He's all, he's all over the place as a writer. Well, that Jackie Mason show was big back then. Uh, let's see. I think it was the year of uh, – Like 86, maybe. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. Oh, he's going up. Hey, man, good set. Good set. Don't choke. So he's going to go off, fucking... and he's only going to do, like, three minutes. And Gail's going to say, Gail's, he, you see, he, he had this traditional. Um, a player? A yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, it wasn't his smartphone. Wait, so did he, he just get heckled by a comic? Yeah. <laughs> he's going to do essentially three minutes, and he's going to have one giggle at the end. But Gail's going to say, that was good. That was really good. You can work here. Parking cars. Ooh, like Sam Kinison watching the door. He's going to be a valet. Oh, wow. So that must have been a really bad set. Hey, it's really great to be here. I wonder if he's doing my, if he's eating it, he's probably doing my ad. Hey, guys, <laughs> have you ever tried? I'm sorry I'm, I got you here so late. I feel really sick. I uh, had the green bread. You guys know the green bread on top of the refrigerator? <laughs> I mean, it was fine when I moved in. A green bread. I thought it was healthy. I thought it was vegetable. Yeah, I thought it was vegetable. I thought it was plant-based. It was a growth. So he's eating it, huh? Look at that. We hate you now. Well, he's not really eating it. He's just saying, hey, we like them. We like them. No, the comics are – yo, hey, uh, I have a joke for you. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Not a comedian. There. I said my piece, Carl. Sorry, I just got myself a slap seltzer. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Are you killing me? Uh, not and a comedian. Another comedian. Not, not a comedian. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're a heckler. You're not a comedian. Yeah. Maybe you heckle a comedian, you're, you're not a comedian in my eyes. So the the main heckler at Scotty's, right? He's like one of those insult comedians. Oh, he left his he left his thing on stage. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah, he left his the the comic the host called him out. He said you left your uh, tape recorder. Oh, that's funny. How could I have missed that? I saw this film like four times. 
you didn't have that sinking feel- feeling. I had that feeling in my stomach. That's why yeah. I recognized it. Oh, I left my phone? Shit. 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 I really wanted to listen to that set I ate anyway. Thank you. Once at the Broadway Comedy Club, somebody left their drink up there, and I made a whole big thing out of it. Oh, do you ever, like, pick up someone's book if they leave their notebook? Uh, there's a lost and found at Scotty's, and there are some comedians. Uh, okay, here's the guy who's on Cheers trying to strangle Shelley Long. Um, oh, okay, so this is Mr. Shore. I guess he's just, in this film, he's not related to her. He's just the owner. And he's up there, and he's, like, doing some very bad joke, like a frog in a blender kind of joke. I think you uh, saw this film. And so someone goes, there's an, there's, please, an important announcement, important announcement. He goes, oh, excuse me, there's an important announcement. And he goes, get off the stage. Hey, that's not funny. These are the comics pissing on the owner? Yes. <laughs> okay, that's how you got to invite a music. They piss on Gail and they piss on the owner. No, that's not cool. Oh, yeah, here's the message. Oh, oh. there's an important message. Oh, oh it's Mike Spiegelman's set. All right, I'm gonna open with the green. I'm not opening with the green bread, Spiegelman. You gotta rewrite the list. I'll close with green bread. Mike, do you care when you go up? Okay, you're first. (laughs) No, of course not. I'm you're first. Important meeting. Oh, I don't. I didn't really want to go. You're not really first. You're you're second. You're not really going first, Carl. You're second. You see, because I'm the host, and I'll do a few minutes. Yeah, and then you'll be the second comedian, and then yeah, the third pro- the third comedian will be me because I'm going to go up again, and then the fourth comedian will be the second comedian, and then the fifth comedian will be me again, and then the sixth comedian will be the third comedian. It's easy as pie. You're not first. Now go. <laughs> Don't you hate when when hosts do like five full minutes in between people? I hate that. Yeah, I do, and I, I I'm looking at you. I hope every comic went cold when I said that. Oh, is that her casting couch? There you go. Yes, this is her casting couch, but that's not what she's going to do. She's basically tricking this guy into becoming a valet parking attendant. No, I, I did see this, but I, I'm just going to say this once, Carl, and uh, pretend I never saw it. Ellen Burson is really acting in this film. This is a yeah. terrific performance. It's a real lived-in human being, yep. uh, and you can see her as the brains of and, and the disrespect she gets, and yeah, how it feels on her, and it's like a real lived-in performance. I was just stunned by it. So anyway, just getting back, and we'll get back to our little Miles and our Howie and our our other comedian friends acting. But it, it's a real difference to have an actor in a scene. An actress, yes. Now I'm going to talk about her, but I have to interrupt myself because this guy is like the only real comedian who goes to the Funny Farm apparently, and he's really good. Everyone uh, really loves him. Um, in the film, he's called. He has bongos. Carl, is his name Andy Kaufman? Yeah. Well, he is a crazy person, and we'll find that out as the film goes along. Here it is. It's Bruce Nutter. His real name is Mike McDonald, and he did have a career. In real life, he was bipolar. Um, there's some club singer named Johnny Vegas who's famous. He's the older brother of him. But um, he's good in this. Yes, he's got his bongos. Yeah. And he's taking pictures and he's acting creepy with women. There's a something sexual. You have to make it. 
you well, know, is he on stage? Is he you in know, control? Mike, are you a born again Christian? And yes, I am. Creepy. Look, yeah, I, do, this, do these girls look like they're creeped out? They want to be up there with him, right? All right. Is he going to ask them to, to take their clothes off? What if he did, Mike? Why would that be creepy? Because uh, he's taking photos. Uh, all right, I get it. It's funny. All right, I get it. I saw Howard Stern live like forty years ago. Who am I to Mark, say? There are there are advances. There are. Oh, excuse me, Mike. Mike, there are sexual advances that are unwanted, and those are creepy. Every sexual advance in the world is not unwanted. Every sex thing in the world is not. And another thing is children. If there's ever any children on the screen, you go, "Oh my god!" Like, okay. what? You want to fuck children, Mike? Wait, are there children in this movie? No. Then no, of course not. No, but we saw Bugsy Malone, and you were like, "This is sick." What's sick? It's cute. It's a little inappropriate. It is not inappropriate. Bugsy Malone is a little inappropriate. Because uh, Jodie Foster was being sexy or something. Hey, when was the last time you you were in a club and they had a copy of Variety in the office? (laughs) Well, it's nineteen eighty-three. All right. Well, yeah, you're right, because this is the powerhouse. Listen, I'm eating my cake and having it, too. I'm saying this movie is sexist while I'm looking at this woman. So there we go. <laughs> now, this is uh, – that's what he's saying. He's the only real comedian we've got. And uh, I kind of don't know what that means, because it's supposed to be a comedy club, and those guys are all the chosen performers, Peter oh, this, this is absolutely – this is Andy Kaufman. He's telling the audience to come out and I'll do a new performance. Kaufman did that. Well, you know what's funny? Steve Martin. That was oh, part interesting. Of Steve Martin's first. When Steve Martin first had his routine, he would go to San Francisco. He would go to. He, he would uh, take the people outside. Now, he had to learn to only do it after they dropped checks and got their money, you know? Right. But this was a Steve Martin move. He discovered it by mistake one day. I read from his book. Um, he was saying, okay, that's it. Show's over. And everyone thought he was being funny. He goes, no, seriously, show's over. I'm going outside now. Everyone started to follow him. And he was out by some like abandoned pool, and he walked down into it, and they all stood around the pool as he kept going. So he, by that weird night, he made it into a thing. He he would take everyone out into the street, and then he would leave. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. I always thought, yeah, all right, well, yeah. I, I tried I, to find, like, a YouTube clip of it or something. I never could. Oh, man, that would be so much fun to watch old old Steve Martin videos. Yeah, because the old Steve Martin videos we see are after his Saturday Night Live and albums, you know. We see his polished, uh, I've never seen a Steve Martin uh, unfamous open mic kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you have the comedy albums, which he performed uh, in San Francisco for the first album. Yeah. And then on Red Rocks, right, with Side B, was it? No. I don't remember. I remember Excuse Me. That was all in San Francisco. Right. It was like the works. God, it was Fisherman's War. Not the Fisherman's Wharf, but it was like some weird uh, name. Yeah, he's the one I remember my first beer. That was San Francisco. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There, it, Martin had a heckler in the audience, and he didn't pay him any mind. He just said, "Yeah, I remember <laughs> my first beer." Which is like he nailed that one. Like, yeah, you can't use that line. Of course, it made it onto the album. That's why he. Yeah, yeah, I know. 
sometimes like like um i i thought to myself okay i'll say alcohol lowers your inhibition something like that but i never had the chance there's a joke in this one when it feels so bad howie mandel goes like um I was trying to catch a plane, but they go like 600 miles per hour. I want to steal that joke. What's the way you explain the joke? I was well, trying I to catch. I would say like, I would say like, oh man, I have a hard time catching planes. Anybody else here? I always have a hard time catching planes. I mean, they go like 400 miles per hour. Yeah, but when you say catch, then we know what the joke is. I will catch a plane, you know. Catch, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a right. good redirect. It's good read. Well, because it's a phrase. That's what's funny. There. So he's woken his girlfriend up at three in the morning, and he's like, "I have a persona now. I am a wasp. Nobody else is the comedian. You've got the lesbian <laughs> comedian, the Hispanic comedian. You've got the you know, but nobody's oh. a wasp comedian." If I may, so so comedians have to pander to white audiences, so they won't, so they can immediately be liked and, and do their time in peace. So it's like, oh, I see a Mexicani or whatever they say in this movie. Yeah. And he's like, he watches that. He goes, shit, I'll just say I'm white. I'll do the same ethnic humor, but I'll say I'm white. Well, and you then, know, you're right about that. And I really didn't appreciate it in this film. Film. The the guy, his name is Dino in real in the real world. Let me see if I can find it. Lou, Lou Dino, Miguel. He was only in three things, but you're right about that. He got up there and he did. Uh, he did stereotypes about Latino people that white people would appreciate. Yeah, uh, the fry cook. Right, and he did his horrible accent and stuff. And then when the black comedian goes up, he goes, "Can y'all see me, or should I smile?" I uh -huh. just—it's just so like pan. Um, what's the word? It's like it's a bunch of things. It, it is pandering. Uh, it is. But it's uh, it's, it's pandering kind of... to like the worst in us. Yeah. You know, it's you're black, so you gotta make it about being black. But he made it about like how a dummy white person would make a black joke. Like I don't know. I didn't... Oh my god, these comedians have day jobs. How strange. Yeah. Now this yeah. is the pinky in the brain, and it's his day job, and they showed up to fuck with him. Oh, and Howie Mandel has his handbag. Yeah, that's hand class. Bag. His handbag. Yeah, I, I, I. Getting back to like the, it is kind of pandering, and also like the material is aimed for white clubs, you know. And and if you're going on the road and stuff like that, if you're a road comedian or a little warrior, you're gonna have to play that way to to, to connect to any crowd, you know. But I guess yes. But also like there's other clubs, you know. Like if I pander as a Jew and then I do a Jewish room. Am I gonna do the same bits? Probably not. Explain no. Jewish stuff. Right. So it seems weird that this guy is like he sees that that formula is in place because that's the only way. Oh, Fern Bar, how fucking Los Angeles in the eighties? Uh, yeah, and he's complaining about L.A. right now. Well, you're all, you are in a Fern Bar. Nothing Perrier. He's just like the perfect girlfriend. It's a movie, you know. Oh yeah, because I mean. I don't know if waitresses, waitstaff like getting hit by comedians, and then if they, you know, if they do come across, you know, they meet someone at work and they, they date, sometimes it doesn't last, or sometimes it's really ugly. There was a ridiculous thing they said in here, as if, like, you know, like, band members have roadies, you know, there are comics who are, there are women who just love to 
deep comedy. <laughs> That's true. not true. That's it's not true. Not true. You know, I, I know. We are the only like NFL is like you're an athlete or you're a musician or you're an actor. We're the only get on the stage and perform thing that does not attract women at all. No. Yeah, no, it, there's no group uh groupies. Nope. Uh, nope. Right. You know, so, it's weird. I one aside I would say is that uh I, Los Angeles like porn actors, I guess in the eighties, uh I learned this from the true Hollywood story for the kid who got his tongue stuck on the pole in, in the mm, Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Scotty Smith who got into pornography. But they would always go. He met a lot of people at like the comedy store because he, uh, they would go, be audience members at the comedy club. Look at the cops right behind you. Oh, they fucked up. Oh, well, no. That? What they're doing is a pretend insurance scam, in which they're claiming they're hurt and they got hit, and then when it turns out to be cops, they like. They bail. They say, "Oh, I feel better now." And I don't know. It's something. Oh, so they they thought it was like a civilian car behind them, and they were going to yeah. And then it was a cop. But they got a comedy show. The show's still going on. Well, no, they're all not there yet, and Dale is freaking out because none of them. So he goes, "What about this one? What about that one? All right, put this one up." And then so they. That's how they're giving um uh Mark. Champlin a shot. Ah, the the classic. That's a classic. You know, oh shit, but there no one's here, and that fucking comic Spiegelman's still at the fucking bar every night. Get him on. Give Spiegelman a shot. You know, the last time that happened, I could see the club owner uh, like shaking because there was a possibility that she might have asked me, but she was trying to look very (laughs) bubby. And I was like, well, I didn't really sweat it because I had a show that night. You know, Uh I felt insulted, but it wasn't like I was really. Of course, I would have dropped everything and done it, but yeah, it wasn't like I, I was getting a set that night. That's what I was thinking back then when I was that young. Right. But yeah, it was a little, you know, you got to have a thick skin sometimes. But now they're like, oh, we feel better. Oh, because an ambulance showed up. Something like that. It's not going to And it doesn't make sense in the real world. And Oh, there's old Colorado Avenue in the yeah. heart of Santa Monica. Yeah, oh, uh, by the way, they, they got signs. They made signs to put them up. Uh, this is his big shot. It's your big chance. Right. Oh, I see. He can't believe it. Now, you know, the, it looks like valet tickets, but I'm sure it's his set. Like, every time you go into a big club, I always, like, I would always have my set list, like, prepared just in case. <laughs> I, me too. I, I have a set list in my wallet, and it just sits there for the day. It's like... Mr. Kevin Hart is sick. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you got, listen, Peter Aykroyd, Dan, Howie Mandel, uh, Maurice Le, oh, Le, LeBrain. I'm sorry. This is, this guy is, is Native American. He's doing exactly what you're talking about. The piece. Smoke signals, jokes. Uh, He's saying, if we didn't smoke, if we made up the peace pipe, and if we didn't smoke so much shit, we would still own this country. Yeah. I feel bad for him. I'm insulted by the world that it has to be like this. But I also feel like Mark Chapman, this guy who can, like, if it's a white crowd, that everyone's been pandering so they can get, if he's on the same way. Like, they're all, and he does this, like, he does the same routines that everyone else is doing. 
Like he steals, like the only reason they're doing that material is that they can't just be themselves. They have to right. kind of. They can't so he, be themselves. So he, he, he says, oh, you know what? I'll just do it. But I'll do it a white style, you know? And then. Uh, it's it, creative it, though. It is. Well, you know, the whole like wasp humor in the 80s was Martin Mull, you know, the history of yeah. white people and yeah. the mayonnaise jokes and stuff like that. And they're funny. I mean, there was a good mayonnaise joke in uh, The Jerk. They made a sandwich of mayonnaise. I, I, I thought I, I did that whole film. I don't remember. Uh... Didn't, like, his family made him a sandwich that had, like, mayonnaise on it? Or they don't... made him some kind of sandwich. I don't know if mayonnaise was on it. I'm, I'm talking over this guy's set. Oh, there he All is. Right, Put on the voice. Let's hear him. Let's... All right. Here we go. Studio sound. Do you think this is really Miles' act? His real act? No, I don't know. What's interesting about this guy is he was a descendant of Steinway and Sons. Oh, the Steinway piano? Right. And in addition to his acting career, he worked as a sales consultant for Steinway and Sons. And he pretty much hung up acting and comedy. And that's what he does now. He oh. is a top executive at Steinway and he sells pianos. He, he wrote it. two nonfiction books. One of them was called 88 Keys, you know? Oh, great. Oh, is he talking about a laptop? No, he's talking about the... Uh... Oh, he's talking about the locksmith down the street. You know, he has Now, this guy did have uh, two things, three things that were interesting. He was a character named Carter in Howard the Duck. Okay. Um, All right. He was in Hair. In 1979, as Steve Ooh. Wright, one of those So he was the guys. singer, yeah. And he was in The People versus Larry Flint, and he, as Miles, that is his real name. So that's the same director, Miles Foreman? No, Miles Camp. Campin no, 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 but, but the, the People versus Larry Flint and Hair is the same director. Oh, um, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, a famous director, too. His uh, name I, and hair was Steve Wright, and it makes me think of Stephen Wright. Oh, right. Well, you know, I know his face from the Funhouse. I've, okay. I've seen the Funhouse, and I know him from that movie. No, he so. was Richie in that movie in 81. Have you I seen that? Mention, no, but I saw – we saw some horror – we saw some film. Maybe it was that um, uh, performance, and one of the guys – like maybe the camera person was associated with the Funhouse, so I yeah. learned all about it. I saw it on TCM Underground. It's Toby Hooper, the guy who did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, and that's it, what it was. We saw Eggshell. Yeah, right. We saw his film before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Toby Hooper. Well, one of his subsequent films in the early '80s. It's like a bunch of young teens that look exactly like him, and they go to like a, a county fair, and they have like these, you know, a Funhouse. Uh, but there's like uh, uh, like a monster who slaughters them. Right, and yeah. it's a film of note. Like it was well done. I haven't. It's seen really it, well done. People people talk about it. So he was in that. He was in a bunch of stuff, but those were the things you'd know. Yeah, and... I got some great poupon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 what a wasp! What a wasp! He 
He's got his he's got his white guy prop. Like his he's got his ethnic prop. He's stealing ethnic humor and making him white. He's gentrifying it. Yeah. <laughs> so well, they spent uh like under under four mil just under four million dollars in this movie. Now that's Canadian dollars. And this was backed by the Canadian Film Development Corporation. Uh this was this this was theatrically released and it did okay. The the internet doesn't I, there's not even a Wikipedia page for this film. The internet forgot about this movie. Yeah, you know, I used to before the internet I had like video hound and I had, and I would I would see actors. They would list the actors in the pack and Peter Ackroyd would be listed and I'd be like, I wanna see Dan yeah. Ackroyd's brother's movie. And right. I could never find this movie. You know. So I'm really glad. I mean, the the premise of our podcast is that we can finally watch movies that we've only heard about, you know, yeah. that we didn't have access to, and now we have instant. You would read a you would read a fanzine. You yeah, would. And I would. It would be in the back of the, you know, but you would have to go down to the Ziegfeld in New York, you know, on have, Tuesday at eight p.m. Worse, I would have to go to Ken's Video in New York and deal with those. Right? I've never been there. My brother said they're all assholes back in the '80s. Like that was the hip video store, but you right. know, I, in in the '90s there was Leather Tongue and there was uh, uh, what's down the Lower Hate, and they had like snooty, uh, you know, uh, video clerks. And I, I worked in a video store in Montclair, so you know I, I'm part yeah. of that milieu. But uh, which I, one was it? The one in Watchung Plaza? Uh, I think it was on Bloomfield. Bloomfield Avenue. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying By to get what? those. What's that? By what? What was it, it near? I, I, the Claridge? It, uh, it used to be, it might have been the by arcade. the Wellmont? No, not down by the Wellmont, more by the Claridge, I guess. Okay. Yeah, like kind of crisscross, you know, on, on Fullerton. And, I, I think it was I Bloomfield. I can't remember. I know that you were there, and I even visited. It might have been, maybe it was in Watchung Plaza. No, hmm. Watchung Plaza, I would remember. Yes, definitely. I, I, yeah, I kind of trashed the job. I, I was like so hung up with my co college girlfriend that I couldn't work the summer, and I just lost that job. But uh, <clears throat> it was fun, you know. I okay, met a lot. Now they are seeing, um, they are seeing the only real comedian, uh, Andy Kaufman, the Bongo guy. Yeah, and they're like, let's find out who he doesn't talk to anybody. He considers himself, he's like kind of snobby, like I'm a real comedian and you guys are open micers, even though it's not called that. Um, and so they're following him. They're following his bus. Now, his bus is going to the dirt, dirt poor part of town. I don't know. What does that mean? Compton? I don't know. And, this, um, you say this in Montreal, so I don't have to beat myself in the head because I don't recognize <laughs> the bus line or the right. uh, where it parks. Yeah. I don't, I, God Bruce damn it. Nutter, that's his name. Bruce Nutter in the film. Nutter. That name's a little contrived. So they're following him to see where he lives, and then they're going to fuck with him. Looks like he lives in the Mexican part of town. Hmm. Oh, is that real graffiti, or did they spray it up for the movie? Yeah, good question. Uh, the and internet also, didn't tell me. But if this is a real house, that's kind of sucky if it looks real. Is this an abandoned building? Is this a movie no, lot? This is this is a poor apartment building, apparently. Yeah, and but was, when they when they shot the funny farm, was it a real building? 
Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The internet, uh, there was an IMDb entry which almost didn't say anything about the film. So, you know, I usually get my main information from Wikipedia, fill in the blanks with that trivia section from IMDb, and right. then begin scouring the internet for the real interesting stuff. There right. was none of that in this film. I found out all about the actors. I found out all about how it's Canadian. Okay. But it's killing me. There must be like so many comedians from Los Angeles who've been around for 40 years. They talk about it. They do podcasts. They do live streams. You can mm -hmm. hear their history. So I'm just surprised no one's really discovered this or talked about this. Maybe He's got a gun. Because it was in uh, Canada. Yeah. Well, I don't remember seeing it in 83. I remember E.T. <laughs> now, because you, Canada, you punks invade my privacy. You get, you get out of here. And he's gonna get really upset. Oh really no no! Upset. I take it back. Look, they did they did some work on this movie. The director had these people on cue. Will you shut up? <laughs> okay, I want you to stand in this gun. lady's apartment, and when I say when I call you, pick up the pretend you hear them outside. Oh look at this! He's already he made it off that one set. Yeah, he is now since he's wall. been invited up there to perform. He's going to be. You know, he's one of the regular comedians now at the Funny Farm. Things are moving quick for this guy because it's really a movie. Quick. But uh, so this is all within the year. He moved in. Now he's on the phone with the TV studio going, did you make a decision about my pilot yet? Now, was this because of that set he did it was so well? There was there was someone in the yeah, audience, right? There was that there. Right. There was a talent scout. And. He's auditioned now for a pilot. This just isn't the way the world works. As a guy who's made a pilot, nobody was interested in it, and then is now in the middle of making a second pilot, I assure you, America. Now, I know this was a different time, but I, still, you don't just walk off the street and get offered a pilot. Let's let's put it this way, okay? Uh, maybe the writer and a director is so fucking bitter that in his movie, you know, the fucking young, handsome guy immediately gets a pilot. Right. Just you know, to vicariously. Just for the sake of the story and just for his bitterness. Now he's at Sammy's house and he sees Sammy with the picture of Philly Beekman. What's going on? Then he finds out it's my it's dad. my dad. Cool. Why don't you go on stage be Philly Beekman's son? This guy, this guy, he plays all around the room, and he's Philly Beekman's son. Give it up for Philly Beekman Jr. Right. I mean, Tony. Tony Beekman. Sorry. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. There's some, uh, I guess, uh, Buddy Hackett's son was a comedian. Uh, I don't know. Jackie Mason's daughter, and it's illegitimate, he changed her name to Mason. Eva Mason, just so you know. Yeah. She's the daughter. There is also um, Kelly. The Kelly. Uh, um, living in a van down by the river. Oh, his brother Kevin. His brother is yeah, yeah. and so, and they look similar. You know, they're okay. So because Sammy's dad is uh, Philly Beekman, he's arranged for these guys to get to go there for free to Vegas. So they're flying. I don't know if they take uh, the plane. What are they going from Montreal to Toronto now? They're going from Los Angeles to Vegas to, oh, it's in the movie, to it's got a clown face clown. Oh yeah, look, this looks kind of like 
Montreal's version of Las Vegas? No, they're in Vegas. Opie Isadora's in Las Vegas, Carl. I don't did you think of that movie, Fake Out? Fake Out, Fake Out. There's right. Don Rickles. Oh, and he mooned him. Um, where it's at. Saw Don Rickles. Yeah, it's in, in Vegas. Las Vegas as well. I and believe he... that this has got to be really Vegas. I mean, they're not going to do the fake set. No, and they actually paid to get like this phony name up on the stand. Yep. A marquee. Yeah, now, that's great. This guy, Philly Beekman, his name is Jack Carter. and he was Oh, Jack a... Carter. Yeah. So he was like in the vein of Milton Berle. Um, and we should, let's see I if we can. enjoy could... his act. You want to listen? I yeah, I do. Funny. So this has to be his act. He's not doing a character's act. This is probably Jack Carter's bit act, right? Goes, this band is one of the greatest bands of our day. I don't know. At night, they kind of suck. Here he is. Jack Carter, hey, 1983. Folks. He yeah. had a long, distinguished career. He died at 93 in Los Angeles. And like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. I remember that. See here. 93rd birthday, 2015. Killing. Because of his jacket. Because of his jacket. Oh, look, even how he's just uh, two, three, four. So, you know, this is interesting, Carl, because I'm like, I'm dying up here with Jim Carrey. Right. This is contemporary comedy looking at their, uh, at, at their, their elders, I guess, yes. whatever the old comics are. Uh, and they're commenting. So it's young comedians. They feel young comedians talking to the Vegas act. Right. And then we're going to see that in his hotel room after. Now, this guy was for real. He was on the, the Cavalcade of Stars, and he got his own NBC show called The Jack Carter Show. Um, he hosted uh, – there was, there was a – there was something called the half-hour Saturday night programming slot, and, and – <laughs> That was great. Uh, yeah. He did a show right after Steve Spencer. Carl Reiner was on it. Um, he was friends with Sid Caesar. Is he gave the eulogy at his funeral? He was a frequent guest on Ed Sullivan. You know, one thing I have to say, I I looked up Jack Carter, and there was like a video of Howie Mandel talking about him. Uh huh. Like bold, bold Howie. Yeah, this is this is curly-haired Howie. Now Sammy, his son, didn't even come. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And what's going to happen is he's gonna, the thing's going to start off with like, hey, young comedians trying to pick your brains. Welcome, welcome. Then he's going to start doing some racist stuff uh, with his, uh, I don't know, this, he's got this guy here with the, the bow tie. Yeah, with the bow tie. And he's been with him for 20 years or something. And basically he starts shitting on him. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean. And the room flips and they're against Carter's no George Clooney. That's I don't know what a, to be a George Clooney is. You got your friends, you know, your friends you, you've been there for your whole life. You know, like my friend, he gave me money for my headshot back in '82. Oh, he kissed the black man's head. Uh yeah, look, there's Miles. He's not digging it at all. Yeah, he's not, like not digging it. And um, 
Yeah, so things will turn sour. He'll start pontificating about, uh, you know, you young kids. I mean, you didn't pay your dues. I cut my teeth on shitty rooms and everything. And then they'll say, like, well, when's the last time you saw a new comedian? As if, I don't know, it's, it's <laughs> a fake thing. Like, No, it's not true. Why don't we substitute young comedians with Zoom comedians? And old school comedians with like comedians who did it in real life. You had to, you know, you guys. But why would, why would a Kevin Hart, a Chris Rock come on down to Scotty's and check out new comedians? You know what I mean? Like, why would they? Because it's it's a vibrant. No, that's. I think they have a solid argument. You you okay. get yourself kind of stuck in a rut, and you don't realize there's been generations and generations of new comedians, and that things are different from the way. The foundation is slightly different. It's different. Oh, look at this. Yeah, he's giving me Right now, he's drinks. like, come on. I, my drink is empty here. And he's insulting him, and he's doing that kind of racist slurs. And he goes, what was that? Too smart for the room? I thought it was a funny line. Wow. It's getting awkward now. Now it's turned sour. Now we got whiskey salt. sour. Yeah. Now it's going to flip, and he's going to start getting mad at him. You young you don't know what? anything. You don't respect anything. And Jack Jack Carter's a bit of a hothead, wasn't he? In real life, I'm not sure. Um, I kind of everything I, I, I read gonna... about him was positive. Yeah, I know he's a, he's an interesting comedian. I, I have to, you know what? I'm gonna go take watch him on YouTube. I'm gonna see if I can find like a, a ten minute set or something. Well, there was one bad thing. He was in that horror film Alligator in 1988, which was <laughs> I don't know why he would do that. Well, That's I know weird blemish on his on his. Uh, well, he's been on like Ed Sullivan, like he's probably t uh, uh, dozens of times. He's yeah. he was a staple on Sullivan. Yeah, more than dozens. I don't know about staple, but he was one of their regular go-to guys. You want to make an audience laugh? We've got a hole. Get know. Carter. And you young comedians, you're snorting coke with Robin Williams. I don't even <laughs> know what snorting coke with Robin Williams is. Hey, man. When's the last time you checked out our ass? Well, I would eat, but okay. No, this this is an interesting yeah, moment. It's like road comics and like locals and, you know, comics pitting each other against each other. You know, it's comedy. It's a good point. They came to watch his show. Also, who, as a comedian, who fucking watches shows? Right? Who watches shows? Well, I mean, I like... Do you go out and see like a show? You're like, oh, Brian Regan's in town. I'm gonna go see him. Oh, I know. Uh, I guess the honest answer has to be no. But I'm always like, I'm going to go. Like, right. for instance, Kevin Hart was at Levity Live doing new material, which is in Palisades Park. Uh, it's 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 Nyack, New York. It's really close. It's like a 350. I looked at ticket prices. I was like, forget it. Also, um. Louis C.K. was there after his disgrace, and I was like, right. this would be interesting, but I never went. Um, there's another name you would know, and he was at the uh, Stress Factory in New Brunswick, and the show was called Trying New Stuff. I, uh, that's about 250. I was going to go to that. I didn't. You know, so, I mean, this is all pre-pandemic talking. Actually, when I had a little more of a drive into, into comedy, but you would go out and you would, you know, at a showcase, I would always watch people because I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to mm -hmm. see, and if they were good, 
you know, like Tom Rhodes, I think is a fucking genius, and mm-hmm. I watch him every time because everything he does. Oh, is this the executive? Oh, it's Brandon Tartikoff. Now this NBC. is NBC. Yeah, no, it's deciding. Brandon Tartikoff. He has a three-piece suit. The guy behind the oh oh well, all right. Are they going to go with the young guy, the white guy? Well, who they're does like, are we material? going with the actor or are we going with the comedian? They, you know, they have an argument about it. He's like, well, I like the comedian. I think he's going to be the next big thing. But he's in the room. Like, he's in. Yeah, is that realistic? Yeah, it is. It's that's the way Hollywood works. I mean, it's heightened. I would have to say the the the, the uh, writer director is making a point by having this guy accelerate and while being dissed in the room. He's while like, oh, great. They're going to diss him the moment he walks out of the room. You're great. Smile is all around. Okay, smile. Brandon Tartikoff. Brandon Tartikoff came up with, like, Punky Brewster, came up with uh, different strokes. He wore a three-piece uh, tan suit with a vest, and he was about that guy's size. So, obviously. That's who oh, they're going for. Yeah. I don't know. I gave back to watching comics. Uh, I, I mean, I like comedy, and that's why I, I definitely watch it. But uh, you know, when I would do this room, I would go to rooms that like showcases just to say hi and just to be seen there, but also to see what the comics were like and what they were well, doing. You I always learn from that. Yeah, I I always stay in the room when there's an open mic. People like uh, my good friend Anthony Quinn, and um, I won't start naming names. I was about yeah. to, but a lot of them. They go up, they do their set, and then they, like, disappear to, like, smoke pot or bullshit with the other comedians. And I never do. I always stay in the room. You I want to see don't... what everyone's doing. Yeah, but bullshitting with other comedians will get you other sets. And also just kind of, you know, it's networking. There's many, many, many facets to... I'm not saying talk, not, don't I talk over someone. I, of course, hang out with the comedians. But I'm just trying to say that... Watching all of the comedian sets is really of value to you as a comedian. And I also just want to laugh. I want to see what they're doing, what's going on. So now he's telling the girlfriend, uh, I got the pilot, you know, and it's like this big having his up moment so he can see him crash. Uh, hey, guys, I'm singing. I got a pilot. Hey, no need to diet. I already got my pilot. <laughs> That's what he's screaming at the other guys. I got a pilot. I got a pilot. Oh, he's that comic. Yeah. Yeah. But well. they're like, what's going on? Then they find out the ugly, ugly, ugly thing that Nutter has killed himself. They went and invaded his privacy, and now Nutter ha- went and killed himself. This will show you. Wait a minute. So the, the comedy store, wasn't there a suicide? Gotta get my research down. There was someone jumped off a roof or something, a comedian? I don't know that story. Um, you might be right about that. No. Bruce Nutter well, has killed himself. Bruce Nutter, and, Mike McDonald. Not not Michael McDonald from Mad TV or Michael right. McDonald the singer. Right. It's not. Mike McDonald. Um, okay, so let's see. This was his first film, The Funny Farm, Mike McDonald. But he was in... Um, there was a Jefferson Starship commercial, and he played a comedian that he was in Screwballs Two, which we did on the show. Food. We did that on the show. You weren't there. I got oh, I got a okay. comic. I got a comic from uh, uh, the, the Mutiny Radio Comedy Fest. We can talk about that. Super Dave's Vegas Spectacular. Um, oh, I mean, he was out there. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't know a bunch of his stuff. The Ben, Chasing Robert, The Ripping Field. 
wouldn't know a bunch of this stuff, but he had a career, and um, he did, uh, he died, it was 2013, he had liver transplant surgery, and his liver failed, it was hepatitis. Wow, liver uh, transplant. Yeah, so, but still, wow. he's known for, I don't know, this film called The Nutcracker Prince in 90s, Chasing Robert in 2007. He had a career. And he also had bipolar. Okay, so here we are at his funeral. Now, what I don't understand is this guy was dirt poor, but he spent a lot of money to do everything perfectly, and he insisted on an open mic at his funeral. And that's what they're doing right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, do, do you want an open mic at your funeral? I don't think I do. I think this is the movie. Now, you saw this movie already, so you know the punchline here. But people watching at home won't know. Well, I should mention what I know is that uh, our Sunshine Boy was going to perform and, and Brendan Tarikoff was going to go over to the, the comedy store and watch him. But because of Bruce Nutter's fucking prank, he can't perform. Right? I mean, the, yeah. wasn't the guy supposed to see him tonight? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then this death fucking kibosh his career opportunity. Yes, I don't really care. Yes, that is true. That's what my takeaway was for this asshole. Like, and for what? For being a narcissist, for doing, dying, and having fake parents. I want to thank the rented parents. That oh, they the are fake. You're right. You're right. Yeah. No, but they announced it. Funny. You don't think this was inventive and creative? Uh, I'm killing time until the reveal. Okay. Let's <laughs> cover it up pretty closely. Spoil everything. Look, okay? Lou Ferrigno. Bruce Nutter did not kill himself. It's all a big scam. He's going to open his coffin and pop out and go, don't you ever follow me home again and run away. I think it's funny. You can't wait two seconds to let it happen. <laughs> I Right now we're having a sad harmonic yeah, music. All the, all the comments like, how come I'm going first for Nutter's funeral? Yeah, that's right. Do I don't you care call. when you go off a Nutter's funeral? Uh, no. Okay, you're first. Okay. The ghost of Nutter shows now up. Now Gail's freaking out. Ah! Don't you assholes ever follow me home again! <laughs> right, and look, Miles is like, you asshole, I keep fucking Brandon Tartikoff. Peter Ackroyd's like, I'm gonna kill him. Runs by and goes, wasn't that Nutter? Oh, yeah, that's the parents. The parents are like, does, does this mean we're not getting paid? Oh boy, and then comedian desecrative graveyard. Now, most all of this film was well written in the um, in how it flows. Right. Uh, this next cut is not well done. It doesn't flow at all. All of a sudden, like they, there's no reason for them to be all here in this <gasps> same room. Look at that! Howie Mandel is passing a joint. Yeah. He he he's letting people smoke it, and then he's going to smoke it again. You mean because of COVID? Because of he, – he's famously – he doesn't shake people's hands. You know that. Oh, well, that could have developed – yeah, he's got a uh, OCD kind of germ phobia thing. Yeah, right. right. Of today. But, uh, in this, but in this scene, he's smoking a communal joint. Right. Now, it might be because it's a movie, and it might be because his, his paranoia hasn't developed. I think as comics, they, they were just smoking anyway, so – Let's see. Oh. Let's talk about Howie Mandel. Sure. Uh, okay, he is Canadian. He's totally Canadian. 
Uh, we know him from Deal or No Deal, the, the suitcases game show. Right. Um, Bobby's World. There's Canadian and England counterparts, and he's on it too. Um, he got big as a he got little as a comedian, but then he got big on this medical drama called Saint Elsewhere, which right. you remember was a primetime show. He was on six years and he was a doctor on it. Well, you know, fits like a glove. He took a surgical glove and he blew it up and looked like a little chicken rooster. Yeah. Put it on his head. Put it on and his head. It's so like, part of it was that he was a top comic and he was also that doctor from Saint Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it kind of clicked on that. Well, yes, yeah, nice... he was the prop comic first. It's true. St. Elsewhere didn't make him. But because of being a prop comic, he got on St. Elsewhere, and so he had six years of exposure to the public. Now, he didn't take that and go on to do a um, huge movie career. Instead, he turned it into like a voiceover career. Well, we should mention that as a bad movie uh, podcast, I mean, a good podcast about bad movies, he was in Walk Like a Dog, which if it's on yep. YouTube, we'd be watching it, where he's like a human dog. And yep. then he Monster Under the Bed or In the Closet. This right. movie's like a cult film. I have people swear by this film, and I really enjoy it, too. He's good in it. So he's he's done some real cultish films. Like, this is a cult film, too, I would imagine. But yeah, he, he well, was the He was the voice in Gremlins, the yeah. voice of Gizmo, and in Gremlins, too. Um, and he was in Tribulation. Which was a um, one of those cloud ten pictures. Remember, we saw Cameron. What's his name? Oh, like a born again Christian type. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I'm not born again Christian. A religious, a spiritual based. Cloud faith-based. ten pictures is faith faith based pictures, and he was in Tribulation in 2000. We know him from America's Got Talent. He's on the fifth season, but he did a lot of voiceover work. He did a lot of uh, you know the aristocrats and. Bobby's World was his Bobby's own. World. Yeah, he was in Pinocchio and Hansel and Gretel and Tangerine Dare and Jack. Well, I, you ever I see know, lots of voiceover work? He does. You ever see how we do it? This is how we do it. Hey, we're in a Las Vegas buffet, and unbeknownst to the horse, we put gold tokens in instead of food. Let's see what happens. <laughs> This okay, now Dale is paranoid about earthquakes. He hates it, right? And right. we find out that he sold some of their um, stand-up routines, and, and it aired in Ohio, so they're pissed. So they're pretending there's an earthquake. It's a pretty good gag. Sir Aykroyd's got them. So now she freaks out and goes, it's a quake! It's a quake! So was he fucking comic? It's was that the whole... That's the thing. Like a comic was like, "I'll I'll seduce her, and then when I'm fucking her, we'll have the audience pretend it's an earthquake." Right. So then she comes out. It's a quake, and then somebody tips her off that it's not. She's oh, Maurice did it. He was fucking Maurice. I thought he was a cool guy. That's not cool. Well, Maurice, uh, they are all not cool. They're all in on this, and the only one who feels any pity for Dale is our star, uh, Mark Hamill. He's going to get into the car with her and try to, like, calm her down. Now, he, the owner's freaking out because nobody's inside spending money. Right. So he's trying to send them all back inside. What a weird scene. What a weird club. Mark Champlin is his name in the film. I, I get it mixed up because it's Miles Tappan. Mark Champlin. 
Anyway, he gets in there and he basically he's like, "Get out, get out, leave me alone," <laughs> and he doesn't. And then she like sort of speaks her mind in her heart about how like why doesn't anybody like me? I, I love them; they give me joy and happiness. I'm all about these comedians, and so we're getting some feelings here. Do you think that's? Do you think uh, club owners, comedy club owners, really feel this way? I only know one comedy club owner really, really well, and he doesn't feel that way. Everybody kisses this guy's butt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's so funny. Not since Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams have I seen such a acting combo of comedian and Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> He's you doing a good heat? job right now acting as an actor. He yeah. Really he definitely grounds this movie. Like, she's given a real performance. It's a real person in this. Now, we saw her in My Old Man. That's right. Yeah, she pops up in a lot of great stuff. Like when I see her name, like I'm watching a movie and her name's in there, I'm like, "All oh, right," you know, yeah. or a TV show, she's because good. she's good. Now, um, Goldie Hawn movie, what was it? Uh, Private Benjamin. That's how the the country got to know her. Yeah, um, that was a really big film. Yeah. Yeah, it was a memorable. memorable film. She was in uh, Mrs. Peacock in Clue. Right. Um, so look, uh, Mrs. Shore. I mean, uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Farm, Miss, Miss Farm. Mrs. Farm. You feel better. Hey, can I get a set Tuesday? I'm gonna let you go and just think. But if I could do seven minutes instead of five on tomorrow, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, look, he's got the congratulations telegrams. He's got his headshot. Yeah. yeah. So this is day one of his pilot. He's already gone out there and done some of it, and they didn't like it. They didn't like it. He wasn't good enough. And and the woman is like, an I told you so moment. Yes, he's an actor. Look, you want an act, you want acting, you hire an actor. Now they're gonna let him go. They have really. You wow. Know this film. He's getting fired right now. Well, they I know this film. They say hey, we got an actor waiting in the parking lot. He says he's smoking a Marlboro right now, but just give me the word, I'll give him the eye. He'll come right up. Yeah, there we go. Hey. Oh, look, my character, I think my character would be great if it had more lines. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hey, listen, we're off the set. You're fired. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He goes, we're going in a different direction with this character. He goes, fine, no problem. He goes, no, you don't understand. He goes, wait a minute, are you firing me? He goes, I didn't say that. He goes, you are firing me. He goes, well, you said it. Ugh, what a passive-aggressive asshole. And he yeah. leaves the artist's entrance. So this is Montreal? The artist's entrance? It's is this like pronounced Montreal. UBS television. So it's like C Canadian. Yeah. They they moved the C for Canada up and made it a U. Yeah, instead of CBS, it's U. UBS, why not? You could oh, be all right. so oh, yeah. Hi, could be a girlfriend. And he goes, I blew it. So basically he's gonna have a crybaby. I quit comedy. Yeah, like I know. Second, but then he's going to start driving home. He's going to go to some honky tonk and be like five minutes. Everyone's going to love him. He's going to turn around and come back, and she's going to be happy. It doesn't. It's a very poorly written end. Well, okay. So I think this is kind of so far so good. This guy drives at the beginning of the year. He drives from Cleveland. He goes to Los Angeles. He's on it. He's on it. He's part of the scene. He, everyone now knows him. He's doing time. He's a regular. 
uh, he takes, you know, he, he, gentrify, he gentrifies uh, uh, an act and then he gets a pilot uh, and then they kick him out even the first day of shooting. I think it's fucking this guy, the director, like just being bitter. Oh, he's in the mental ward. Yeah, Nutter. Bruce Nutter went crazy. Now in the mental ward. And it doesn't make sense. He's going to like say to the girlfriend, Marcus is going to say to the girlfriend, like, I don't want to end up like Bruce Nutter. How would he look his comic books upside down? He goes, I, I have to be upside down now. That's, that's my favorite line in this movie. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. So, I'm going to use that line. The thing is, why in the world would he end up like Bruce Nutter? It, it doesn't make sense in the real world. It's poorly written. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to really talk Go about ahead. comedians, but, the, you know, this is not kind of something like this could happen. I don't know about this. Is he doing time? Yes. He Did you stop watching the film? Because you knew everything up until I'm the earthquake. To, I did. No, okay. I, I know. What, yeah, no, I'm just trying so to what, move, move our show along. Okay. So what is happening now is every day at this time, he does like 15 minutes. And people come in. He's, he's, and so he's saying, it's great to be here at the funny farm. And the joke is, you know, that's crazy. But like the joke is these guys are acting like, you know, outside crazy. You know what I mean? Like we're a crazy comedy. We're the loony bin. How come everyone's in those uh Uh, smocks, those uh, hospital gowns, but Bruce... Okay, He's got his own, yeah. So now now he's essentially gonna... Well, it isn't time for him to quit yet, but he's really close. If I may, I have seen this movie. You have already spoiled the movie, but allow me to spoil this movie. He So he fails, right? And now he's completely burnt and bitter, and he's not even gonna try again. He doesn't want to go to the club. He doesn't want to talk to the comedians. He doesn't even want to live in the same house as the waitress. And then right. the biggest night of comedy is, is New Year's Eve, right? That's right. like everybody in America decides or Canada decides to go out and, and drink and not talk to their spouses because they're watching a show or they just want <laughs> they want to go out and drink or they just want to get out of the house or they want to watch stand-up comedy on TV. The biggest night of, tele- of yeah. uh, stand-up comedy is New Year's Eve. But he won't go. In fact, he fucking bails on his girlfriend on New Year's Eve yeah. and, and moves out. And he gets and Mitzi Shore, I mean, uh, Eileen Brennan, yeah, offers him a great spot on New Year's, and he turns it down. Right, which is such a no no. You no matter how you're feeling, you always say yes. Yep. Unless you really, unless you're really gonna suck it up. If you have COVID, if you don't know your material. If you're drunk, ooh, they have assignment. Look at that. That memory game: beep, red, green, yellow. I used to love that. Wow, what a museum. Yeah, because you should always take a set because they're never going to offer again if you say no the first time. That's right. They'll never offer it again. They, yeah. you, that's the memory they have. You said no. Yeah. You said no. They got Why a show to run. They need... no. Yeah. I mean, you know it as, a, as running a show. You, sometimes someone does a show or there's a spot missing. You need someone ASAP. You don't need bullshit. Right. I don't need 40 questions. I don't need you saying I can't do it, but I'll love another set and then follow up. That's not the reason why I'm calling you in this 11th hour. Right. I need someone. Can you deliver? If you deliver, I'll get you another set. But right. If you don't deliver, and then you keep pestering me for a set because the last time <laughs> I asked, it's gone. I, I don't have time because I have 500 people pestering me anyway. Look at Back in the day. I'll it's, never understand comedians. Right. Look, there's Mr. Shore. 
guess he maybe is a kind of Mr. Sure. If he's you don't think they're married? Oh, she's she's fucking people uh, comics, but you know they could be married. In the beginning, the juggler explained that he was the club owner and she was the manager. So I think what he does is cowardly. I think it's like it goes against everything you learn in comedy, which is that you will never stop. And you can't stop. You know, you have to take any kind of failure, just thick skin, right? You got to let it off your tail. It does. You're... Now, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense what he's doing. And he's not just making a mistake because he's a young comedian. It's also the author. It's the self-hatred. It's, no, but comics, you know, I mean, I relate to what he's doing. He he's self He's self-sabotaging everything to the point where he negates himself and everything he's he achieved the year that he moved out here. You know, it's New Year's Eve. It has the year okay. is about to end, and he bails. Like he doesn't even last a year. He self-destructs, and it's wrong. And I, I feel like, you know, someone told me something, Carlos, that you have to think you're funny, because if you don't think you're funny, then nobody in the room thinks you're funny. Of course. Of so course. even if you're not funny, you still have to think you're funny, because that way you don't side with the audience when they turn on you, right? That's and, one of the only things I learned from the Steve Martin uh, master class I paid $96 for. Uh -huh. You gotta pretend you're killing when you're up there. If you do a joke that doesn't work, move on. Right. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So he doesn't do that because, and then, uh, I mean, that's the thing. So he should, he should show up. Like, comics would love to say, oh, what happened to that pilot you were yelling about at the parking lot? How did that turn out? Right, uh, he's going to eat a lot of shit, but you do eat a lot of shit because it's a cult fire ship, and it's things are raw and rocky, and you're vulnerable on stage, and you know, I don't know, you haven't performed, Carl, fucking in a while. Stand up. Well, yeah, you haven't personally performed. I used to produce COVID. Yeah, COVID. That's exactly right. You know, New Year's Eve shows, I I produced my own because no one was hot booking me, and I said, fuck uh -huh. it, I wanted to perform, and I would get do shows and. You know, they were fun. They were great shows, and I had some really good comics up there, and I was able to pay them, so it was fun. You know, and get an audience for it. I had uh, the chance to do New Year's Eve at Scotty's. I even said yes, and uh -huh. then Sandy, my wife, was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> we've right. been together every New Year's for twenty six years, and you're no cancel that." You know, so I had Fair to enough. Yeah. So he just broke up with her. Well. And said, I'm going home. I've left you a note. And I left goes, you a note. What? Yeah, it's essentially a breakup, even though he's not saying breakup. No, but... it's actually his set list he left by mistake. He took <laughs> he goes on the honky tonk and performs his breakup. Right. Uh, he, yeah. He pulls out his set list and he goes, Dear John, wait a minute. Dear young and the restless. <laughs> yeah. So she is mad. She is mad, and legitimately so. You're a fair weather comedian. You only come out when it's nice. That's true. That's a, that's a real thing. You know, there's no shame in comedy. You, ha you have to eat shit. You know, it's it's funny. Mm -hmm. But uh, even if it's on you. That she goes, you listen, I'm a waitress and I've seen better. I work here as a, and the staff and uh, I've seen better comics than you. Oh, no, she's she's the greatest girlfriend. She does not insult him or hurt his feelings at all. Except to call him a chicken, you know, which is the honest truth of what's going on. So oh. now begins the long trek down Route 80. Symmetry, because we started off with him driving towards Los Angeles. Right. New Year's Eve, he's done. He doesn't even last a year. 
So he stops off at a honky tonk. He has a good set. He says, "All right, I'll go back." I, I, it doesn't. Nothing wrong as an author. And this guy was a hell of a writer. Uh, right. This Ron Clark. Of well, course, I, this I mean, is kind of early in his career. Yeah, I, I think this movie has a lot of meat on its bones. I mean, no, it's, it's not. He started in the sixties, and this is twenty years into his career, and he's writing this crap. But he's he's letting demons out. He's he's letting his, his frustrations of the comedy scene out. He wasn't a comedian. He was a writer. Uh, he was never a comedian. Now he did write for a lot of. Um, okay, let so me. So is this honky tonk comedian right now? This is just some local bar. Yeah, some honky tonk. Uh, let's see. Jackie Gleason, Danny Kaye, Steve Allen. These are all you know. Smothered Brothers, Pat Paulson. These are all comedians. Yeah. So. I don't think Ron Clark was ever a comedian, just but he was around him. Right. So he knows, but he's probably had friends that got one yeah. instant, you know, he probably seen the instant success and the quick burnout. Quick and maybe crashes. he was a stand-up comedian. That's just me. Yeah. Man, you were great. Hey, I'm a comedian too. Do you know, is there, how can I, is there a list? Can I get up? Do you know uh, of any other rooms? I have a hundred million other questions. That only happened to me once. I was in Jersey City. I was at this show just seeing a friend. Her name's Stacy Kendro. She's from Boston. She's a teacher. And um, I just went up to the guy and I said, look, I'm a comedian. Uh, seems like everyone's still warm and you're about to end. Uh, can I? <laughs> All right. And so I did. I went up and I did it. The set I had in my wallet, like I was saying. Yeah. Now, they had a grand piano there. So I, I said your joke about tickling the ivories and how sometimes the elephants sneeze, and it got a big laugh. So I said, okay, I'll tickle the ivories. So I sat down and I played Imagine by John Lennon, and I did Imagine There's No Yoko. Oh, it really went well. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm glad to hear. So it's not only in the movies, Carl. Even, you know, it happened to you. It wasn't Bernie's Bar and Cafe. Right. So he's reading bernie's and the guy's like you were genuinely funny and everybody loved you and that was all it took that's strong enough he gets on the phone with One girlfriend set. at three in the morning yeah and, and says i'm coming home hey i just did a set and i killed i, I can't go to sleep i'm gonna go back to los angeles and, and pursue my dream no he's gonna run off again all takes place it's still new year's eve so what, she's asleep at 10.30? No, look at the clock. It's like 4 in the morning. Yes, right. 8.30, it's New Year's Day. Day. So this is all happening, this 180. Now she's happy because she's the perfect girlfriend. She doesn't go, how dare you put me through a breakup, and then you're, you bipolar motherfucker. No. He, he showed up to his home. work. He showed up to her work on New Year's Eve, the busiest night. We just said it was the biggest <laughs> night in comedy. That's right. Hey, I, I left. I left you a note. I'm going. I, I can't hack. Yeah. This is kind of a comic thing to do. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. deal. I, I'm done. Now he's back. Is he listening to George Carlin again? No. Kelly Carlin? Just, yeah, we're hearing, we're hearing inspirational music. And you can do it. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, I'd love the theme song. Go ahead. Put it up. Put it up. Leave these rhymes every on my mind. LA on my way. (laughs) 
I know what to do. So bad. And it's also so 83. That's it. He goes back. The movie's over. No New Year's Day. There's Peter. Late Peter Ackerman. A lot of people passed away. Yeah, a lot of kids. Not Howie, though. It's really funny, his baby voice. Yeah, oh, it's Bobby's World. Jack oh, Blum. yeah? Did that go on to be Bobby's World? Yeah, he did a... I didn't look up Jack Blum. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right. Look at my... Yeah, he was pretty he good. Put on those girls who voluntarily hopped up on the stage and were happy about it. Yeah, you know what? I mean, what about the female performers? Do they, would they feel comfortable being in a place that allows that? Like some some comics allows on. girls. They were uh, females who got on the stage and said, "I'm into they, this." They were audience members who came to see a show. They shouldn't be up there showing their tits. Okay. Hey, we never seen Brian Nussick on stage. That must be cut material. <laughs> yeah, there's Steve Allen, and his Walkman doesn't get a credit. His Walkman did not get a credit, and I was very. I thought that wasn't. That wasn't fair. Jesus Christ, Carl. What yeah. think of this movie? While the music still plays, don't get me I, wrong. Yes, I have to say that I enjoyed it because it was stand-up comedians. I guess I have to say I enjoyed it. But it irked me that it's just like he rolls into town. He's got a girlfriend and a place to stay. All the comedians are his friends. He gets, uh, you know, becomes a regular comedian with hardly any material. Going to do a pilot, it's all like, ah, fake. That's not the way life works. But it's a movie. I get it. You have to accelerate. Well, it's a parody, Carl. I think this movie is good. Uh, and that it's, it's, I, the problem is that it, the whole story about the Los Angeles comedy scene in the 70s and 80s, you know, this was 83, so it was still kind of new and had that car, fresh car smell. It wasn't stale. And repurposed and regurgitated and reused, but it was their version of it. So I caught a little inside history in there, and uh, I don't know. It was like a cautionary tale. This guy, you know, of Hollywood, of this guy. Like they just take young faces and put them in uh, stuff that they can't deal with, and then they Here's get the crushed. Recorded material. Yeah, there we go. So, oh, he listened to a two thousand year old man. Comedy is not pretty. Right. Dating Joan of Arc. Oh, did you, yeah. Well, we should give a shout out to to P, uh, Patrick Carlin, uh, George Carlin's younger brother, who used to be part of the show before us. Edge of Insanity. Edge yeah. of Insanity with Paul Brumbaugh. Yeah, Re- the recently married. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fans of Paul Brumbaugh and Mrs. Cassine. Uh, Definitely know, they, our fans yeah. of Paul Brumbaugh. Great right. material. Great picking up his skids from jail. Funny comedian, Paul Brumbaugh. Right. Not in this movie, however. So, uh, one comedian didn't make the cut, but yeah, we love Paul. All right, then, rated our movie. Wow. Mm. Mm. Well, Carl, uh, yeah, that was it. We are done with that yeah. at all. We never have to go back yeah. to the funny farm. Uh, we are free of that. Next week, we are going to, maybe, I don't know, we well, we, we have I a film. Know, like, uh, I don't announce that film. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's put it this way. <laughs> the purpose of our show is to – some movies are so bad, you just can't watch them on your own. You need yeah. someone in the room. You need somebody yeah. to be part. And we always feel like because you have to listen to our podcast and watch the movie at the same time to fully experience uh, what we're doing, 
that were part that led us. We are as a group, us the podcast and you the listener, we are watching a movie together. Because some movies you just can't make it to the end because they're so fucking bad. And that's the scenario we have with the film that it's in the pipeline and we can't The thing is I will in my research be watching it alone, maybe four times. Let's talk off air. All right, we'll talk off air because I watched the movie until a point where I had, my eyes were removed by my hands and I could no longer watch the movie. So I think I agree with you. Well, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, how about that for excitement here on Let's Watch a Full Life Movie on YouTube every Sunday on mutinyradio.fm where you can contribute to the station. Please go to yeah. mutinyradio.fm, hit their Patreon link, or go to Venmo and send them a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. We'd love to keep this going. Uh, we, as we have been for for years, as part of the Mission District community, we have live shows on Monday and Friday. Uh, and if you don't want to go in person to see them, you can listen to them on Muni Radio as, as a podcast or streaming live. Exactly. Go to MuniRadio.fm. More information about our iTunes link. More information about all the shows, including what's really happening that just played before us at noon here on Sunday. So, Luke. Carl, yeah, Luke Sayer. Luke, uh, Carl. Called you, Luke. Uh, it's me, Mark. Luke, do you uh, anything uh, you'd like to promote? Anything coming up? I guess no. Just go to carlsucks.com and uh, you'll see all my upcoming dates, which pretty much means I'll be at Scotty's this weekend. And if there's anything else I do this weekend, so please Sounds good. enjoy. Yeah, and we have a lot of great more show coming on. So uh, make sure you, uh, now that February is done, uh, join us next week in March as we maybe show a film we can't watch. My birthday's tomorrow, February 28th. Happy birthday. Oh, but you. it's Monday. <laughs> birthday on a Monday. How yeah. ironic. Yeah. See you guys at the party. All right. See you at the party, Carl. Uh, happy 40. 56. <laughs> 56. 56. All right. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, I'm a couple years behind you. So <laughs> keep blazing the path for me, brother. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care.
What better way to start than with the beautiful Richie Havens? Hydrogen bomb. 
atomic bomb. Atomic bomb.
Nobody heard me the first time. There is someone giving out some flat blue acid. Poison, there are 15 people who are very ill from it. If anybody tries to give you any, you do it.
Fleming Street. And they're looking, you know, kind of like the customs guys, you know. Let me check your bags, you know. Where do you live? I'm going to see my cousin. You don't have a cousin. Your cousin said you don't know yet. You know, it's that kind of thing. So, and they're really bad cats that hang on the corners, man. Because like, when I was growing up, guys had knives and a couple of guys had guns, you know. And they're beating my shit. They're doing business. I mean, they'll beat you up. I mean, for real. They're no playing. They just say, beat them up. Whack. And you are beaten up, you know. You say to yourself, my goodness, they're beating me up. Well, I always feared these guys, man. Because I used to hang out. I hang out with my own guys on the corner, you know. But the, when you go to see the other, the enemy, look out. Now, there's a guy I went to high school with. His name is Paul Bolden. Paul was the fastest guy in high school. He broke all the records, low hurdle records and 100 yard dash records and anything. If you ever go to Philadelphia, check out Paul Bolden in 1953, 54, 55, was really a cooker, you know, on the track. I was a high jumper, never jumped any higher than 5'10 when I was in high school. Did it consistently. Whenever the bar got to six feet, something in my mind said, you know you can't jump higher than your head. You know. And I just went, uh, you know, my fastest 100-yard dash, no matter how I run it, with the wind, without the wind, hustling all I can, 11-5. Now, Paul ran like a 9-5, 9-4, one day he did 9-4 with the wind behind him. And it was really so strong, he couldn't even hardly get in the blocks, just whew. You know, blew him out of there. But Paul is fast, man. All the neighbors know it. All the mothers ask for Paul to go to the store for him because they say, you know, Paul is fast. And he, and he comes right back. They'll even wait 30 minutes, you know, if he's busy because he's so fast when he and brings back the right change. So we went to this party, birthday party, that a girl threw who knew Paul. She saw him run track and really fell in love with him. Why won't you come to my birthday party? You know, so Paul said, yeah, sure. Nice looking girl, too. You know, well, since I'm Paul's friend, they got to invite me. You know, with every good looking guy, is always an ugly guy and vice versa. You know, so I hang out and get whatever he throws away, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, they come and they cry on my shoulder. Paul, that lovely. Well, my dear, Paul is busy. <laughs> you know. So. Well, it always happens the other way. You find a good-looking chick that's always, you know, right with her, you know, just waiting around. And if you strike out with the other with the good-looking chick, you always
Thank you. 